You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. under such circumstances? What are we to do under such circumstances? When our faith is severely tested, we must look to the Lord. We must look to God's Word for the answers. We must look to Him and follow Him. We must submit ourselves to Him and say, not my will, but your will be done. We must give Him all glory for being a sovereign God who knows what's going on and wants to see your faith soar. Wants to see your faith soar. When you experience death, destruction, or the Lord's delay, your faith may be severely tested. Pastor Dave shares in today's study that you must keep your eyes on the Lord, submit yourself to Him, proclaiming not my will, but the Father's will. In the end, you'll find your faith has been strengthened. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11 as he begins his message, Unexplained Delays. going to start a new chapter in the Gospel of John. We're going to start chapter 11. Gospel of John chapter 11. Chapter 11. As I have been telling you and have I been saying, we're getting into what I call a strategic part of the Gospel of John. And the cross is ever closer as we move forward. And in chapter 11, Jesus is actually going to make his way back towards Jerusalem for those final days. So um, it's very interesting that we get to this point because in chapter 11, one of his probably greatest miracles is recorded. Uh, John doesn't spend a lot of time on a lot of miracles as like the other synoptic gospels. John takes great pains in what he writes because remember, his goal is that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing you would have eternal life. So that's his purpose. So he has a purpose in writing his gospel. So if you found your way, I'm only going to read six verses. John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So what would you say if I asked you to tell me the most difficult problem you face as a Christian? Think about it. What would you answer the question if I said, what is your most difficult problem you face as a Christian? And I'm sure if we went around the room, we're not going to, but if we went around the room... Each of you would come up maybe with something different, but you would be surprised how similar they may be. Well, as I was reading and studying for this 
I came across a man named Ray Stedman, who is a pastor, an author, and a commentator, and this is what he had to say about this question. Quote, the most difficult thing to handle as a Christian is when God does not do what I have been taught to expect him to do, or when God gets out of line and does not act the way he ought according to my expectations. Maybe that rings true with what you were thinking when I asked that question. Have you noticed that Sometimes it seems like God responds to our emergencies like a plumber responding to the call of a leaky faucet. It takes him forever to get there. You ever notice that when you're having a hard time and you call upon God, it takes him a while to arrive? A crisis comes into our lives and we yell, help, help, but everything is silent. We cry out, God, I need you right now, and we get no answer. Oh, God, where are you? Nothing. Nothing. All of us have experienced these unexplained delays in our Christian walk. Sometimes we pray, and we do not receive the answer immediately. And sometimes, even when we pray, it seems like things get a little worse before they get better. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this. One of the most difficult situations in a Christian life is when God remains silent to our prayers, and there is this unexplained delay. Now, the emphasis of John 11 is on faith. You find some form of the word believe at least eight times in these scriptures. Everything Jesus says and does in this scripture, in this section of scripture, he did to strengthen the faith of those who were closest to him, and he did to give glory to the Father. Everything he did. And this is what these unexpected delays are supposed to do. These unexpected delays are supposed to strengthen our faith, and in them, we are to give glory to the Father. What we do during these delays tells us a lot about our faith. Are we patient during these delays? Or do we try to help God out? Or we try to do the fix? I got this one, God. You you can't, you're obviously busy, so let me take care of this one. Are your eyes on temporal things or eternal things? Hey, someone once said that patience is not the ability to wait, but how you act while you are waiting. I can show you throughout the Bible that these unexplained delays are happening, and we can also see the results of impatience while waiting on the Lord to fulfill his promises. I have two for you. Number one is Abraham. Abraham got weary of waiting for the promised son, though he took Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar, and went into her, and they had a son. His name was Ishmael. The people of Israel got real tired and impatient waiting for Moses when he went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He was gone for 40 days, and they got real tired, and they started to get restless. So what did they do? They created a golden calf to worship and called the golden calf their God. What do you do during these unexpected delays? There are times when we're going to have these periods. Sometimes when we're in the middle of these delays, we think that God doesn't care. Certainly, the Israelites felt that. God had abandoned them and no longer cared for them, even though he brought them through the Red Sea, even though he took them out of Egypt by all the plagues, even though he got them to where they were supposed to be, they thought God no longer cared about them. We may think that God just doesn't 
care about us. In fact, it seems that the circumstances of our life don't seem to allow for any other explanation. God can't be for me. When you are ravaged by the events of your life, it's very difficult to believe that God's silences and his delays are really evidences of his love. Well, I want to assure you this morning that they are. God's silence and delays are actually evidences of his love. Perhaps the hardest place to be patient is when you're in the furnace, when you're suffering. In those times, God does not always explain what he is doing and why he is doing it. It's in the hour of suffering that we need to be, quote, intimate to those whose faith and patience already inherited the promises. In other words, in those times, we need to imitate those in the Bible and what they did during those times of faith, and that's what we're going to see today. That's what we're going to, or, and when we go through chapter 11. During these times of trial, during these times our faith is tested, what happens? Our faith grows. Faith grows when it is tested. So as we begin John 11, we come to a familiar story. It's a story about a man named Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Let's reread verses 1 through 3. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. After the conflict in chapter 10, you'll remember that Jesus withdrew from them. Jesus left them. And the scripture says in verses 40 through 41, and he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. So Jesus escaped the Pharisees once more. It wasn't his time, and he went to this place. Well, where is this place? Well, in John 1.28, we're told the name of this place. The name is Bethabara. Bethabara. It was a place where John was baptizing. So Jesus goes to this place. Bethabara is about 20 miles away from Bethany, about 20 miles away. That's where Lazarus and his sisters live. 20 miles is about a two-day journey, thinking that they could get there. One day would be 10 miles. But if you hurried, you could get there in one day. So Jesus was about two-day journey away from Bethany. So we find out Lazarus is sick. We get some further information about the family in verse 2. John identifies Mary as the one who anointed Jesus with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with his hair. That beautiful, beautiful scripture, which hasn't been recorded yet in the Gospel of John. We're going to get to that soon. It hasn't even been recorded yet. John hasn't gotten to that. We'll get that soon, very soon. In fact, the next chapter. Why did John put it there? Well, there are a lot of Marys in the Bible. A lot of Marys in the New Testament. And John recorded that so his readers would go, oh, that's the Mary. Because obviously what she did for Jesus was well known. Or John wouldn't have recorded it that way. But Jesus had been in Mary's house before. He had been in the house of Mary and Martha before. Do you remember the dinner party? The dinner party in Luke, in Luke 10? 
Jesus is invited to the house for dinner, and he's sitting there, and Martha is busy in the kitchen making her meal. What's Mary doing? Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word he says. Martha's not happy that her sister isn't helping preparing the meal, and she goes in and she even tells the Lord, Lord, she's just sitting there. She's not helping me with the meal. Won't you say something? What was Jesus' words? I'm glad you asked because I have it right here. John 10, verse 41. And Jesus answered, he's answering Martha, and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What was the good part that Mary chose? To sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus was saying, Martha, the meal's going to get done. It's okay. Mary's chosen the better part. She's sitting at my feet, listening. She's sitting at my feet, worshiping me. What he's trying to say is we don't need to be busy all the time. What we need to do is sit at the feet of Jesus. We need to sit at his feet and worship him and allow him to teach us and learn from him. Sometimes our busyness gets in the way, and that's basically what he was saying to Martha during this time. But you're going to find out in a minute he's going to say that he loved Martha. So he does love those who work too. He loves them, but we need to take the time to sit at his feet also. There's a balance there. There's a balance there. So the sisters send word to Jesus that the one he loved was sick. One who was sick was the brother Lazarus, was the brother Lazarus. It's interesting here that the sisters never tell Jesus what to do. They just simply state the fact. The one you love is sick. Why did they do that? They knew and they were confident that Jesus would respond. They knew he would respond to the need because of the relationship they had with him. And they also felt it wasn't necessary to tell him how to respond or to demand that he makes a response because they had complete faith in Jesus. I like this. I don't know about you, but way too often I have to tell Jesus what he needs to do. I have to tell him what he needs to do, and I have to tell him how he needs to do that. In my prayers, my prayers become almost demands. Jesus, you need to do this. You need to do that. That's not what Mary and Martha did. They just sent word. The one you love is sick. They didn't say, the one you love is sick, and you have to come. Way too often, we do it. One commentator said this, they were not commanding, they were communing. I like that. They were communing with Jesus. We should be confident in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We should be confident with him because the Scripture says that if we ask anything in his name, he will do it. Anything according to his will. We need to believe that. Now, I have to ask you a question. To whom is this promise made? To whom is this promise made? Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Ask anything according to my will. He's not standing in the temple court yelling and screaming this out to the multitude. He's talking to his disciples. Who are his disciples? His disciples are the ones who pick up their cross, deny themselves, and follow him. Those, that's who he's talking to, and that's where this promise goes to. It's not a blank, broad promise. You need to be his disciple. You need to pick up your cross daily. You need to follow him. You need to deny yourself. And this is the broad promise that he's making here to the people who deny themselves. So his prayer isn't going to be one for his own glory. If I don't deny myself, 
then my prayer to the Lord is, Lord, I really want that Lamborghini. I need that Lamborghini sitting out front of my house. That's what I want. Lord, I need this. I need that. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it's all about me, 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 Lord. That's not what he's saying. He's saying deny yourself. So it's not all about me. It becomes all about him. My list doesn't count. It's what his list that counts. My agenda doesn't count. It's what his agenda is. I should want his agenda for my life, not my agenda. Now, I pray for certain things, and I hope that they match up with his will. Many people say, oh, don't say, if it be your will, that your lack of faith. Baloney. It has to be his will. John said, anything according to his will. Anything according to his will. Secondly, I have to pick up my cross. What does that mean? I have to submit myself totally to the will of the Father. I've got to deny myself. I've got to pick up my cross, which is submitting totally to him, Jesus. Very, very shortly we're going to read when Jesus is in the garden and he says, not my will, but your will be done. I don't think there's a person in here. I don't think there's a person in here who doesn't want the will of God done in their life. Our problem is his will is not our will, and sometimes when his will happens, we go, wait a minute, that's not what I wanted. Well, didn't you want my will? Well, yeah, but I didn't know it was going to look like that. So we have a hard time with that. So he promises, whosoever asks in my name, I will do it. Because when I'm asking in accordance to God's will, it's because I have a, guy, a desire to see God's will done in my life. And that's basically what Mary and Martha are doing. Lord, the one whom you love is sick. They're not demanding. They're not telling him what he needs to do. But they, they know and have confidence in him. So the problem here at the beginning of chapter 11 is that Jesus' friend Lazarus is sick. In fact, we find out in later verses that indeed he's already dead. This is a problem we can all identify with. For death intrudes all of our lives, and we find that the closest to us are snatched away, either by accident, sickness, or by death. And in those moments, and in those moments, some questions we ask about the presence of God's love if God had loved me, why did he allow this to happen? And others, who those who even do not doubt the love of God and don't doubt his faithfulness, their faith is severely being tested. This is what's happening here with Mary and Martha. What are we to think under such circumstances? What are we to do under such circumstances? When our faith is severely tested, we must look to the Lord. We must look to God's word for the answers. We must look to him and follow him. We must submit ourselves to him and say, not my will, but your will be done. We must give him all glory for being a sovereign God who knows what's going on and wants to see your faith soar. Wants to see your faith soar. Look at verse 4. Now, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus loved them. John reminds us that Jesus did generally love these sisters and her brother. It's important to remember this, that even when your faith is being tested, that Jesus loves you. He loves you more and more. Some believe that when you're tested, it's not an evidence of God's love. I believe just the opposite. I believe when you're being tested, it's all the evidence you need of God's love. Because God is allowing the testing to take happen. 
Jesus' reply should have encouraged the sisters. Lazarus won't die. Everything's going to happen for the glory of God. This should have comforted them. It should have given them hope. It should have given them peace. This is what they were waiting for, a word from Jesus. This sickness is not unto death. But as we read the story, Lazarus is already dead. How can this message give them hope? What was Jesus asking of them? What was Jesus asking of us in the midst of similar circumstances? He's asking them, and he's asking us today to keep our eyes on the eternal. Keep our eyes on the internal, not the temporal. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on that which will last forever. Don't get caught up in this life. He is asking us to believe in spite of the circumstances, regardless of how discouraging they may be. But the next two verses leave us with a question. Let's read the next two verses. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, Lazarus, he stayed there two more days in the place where he was. Excuse me? When he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Wait a minute. If God really loved these people, why wasn't he going lickety split? To their home. That question has to be asked. And if you're not thinking that question, well, you got more faith than I have. Why didn't God rush to the, to the rescue? Pretty interesting. I have a book by Warren Wiersbe, and it's entitled, God Isn't in a Hurry. It's a great book. Listen to this quote from his book. Quote, God can go, grow a mushroom overnight, but he will take time to grow an oak or a giant sequoia. It took him 13 years to get Joseph ready for the prime minister's office in Egypt, and he invested 80 years in preparing Moses for 40 years of service. David was only a young man when God appointed him king of Israel, but he had to experience a great deal of suffering before he finally ascended to the throne. In God's timing, there are sometimes unexplained delays. We have an unexplained delay now in the life of Mary and Martha. Their, their brother is sick. In fact, he's probably already dead. This probably confused the disciples. It really confused them. Why did he allow Lazarus to be sick in the first place? Why did he delay? What was the delay all about? Couldn't Jesus just say a word and the man would be healed? He did that in John 4 with the nobleman. He did that in other uh, gospels with the centurion. He just said the word, and the man was healed from afar. Why didn't Jesus do that? We read through these verses how much he loved for these people and how much love flowed between them. But his actions here contradict all of that. They have to if you read it sensibly. One commentator said this, and this is interesting. Quote, God's love for us is not a pampering love. It is a perfecting love. Wow, yeah. God's love for us is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. You are a sure We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. 
You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.